You are listening to the message by Antioch Center for the Nations. For more information, please visit www.antiochcenterforthenations.org. Thank you. I believe that every man and woman has a destiny to fulfill. Uh, I really believe that, that God writes down the details of our life even before we are ever alive or before we ever breathe our first breath. There's many scriptures to support the idea of it, but he takes us on a journey. I think that he has a plan for everyone. In fact, it says in the Bible that he has predestined us, and really what the word means is he's set horizons. He has set possibilities, you should say, and everyone is called to fulfill his purposes for their life. Now, I think that all people have the potential of knowing God in such a way that they can walk in his destiny. But not everyone will. According to the Bible, we see that some people do, some people do not fulfill the plan of the Father. And Jesus made it very clear in his teachings that there are other plans than the Father's plans. But he said, we need to pursue what God wants for us. What does the Father want for us? So I see it in different lives the way in the Bible there's these amazing stories of the patriarchs and these great men and women of God that fulfilled destiny in ways that they could have never predicted. And that's one of the wonderful things about the plans of God. He says that, I know the plans I have for you, not to harm you, but to prosper you, to give you hope and a future. He says he knows the plans. That does not mean we know the plans. Because the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. How then can he know his way, it says. So we're walking out a plan, and we're walking out a destiny, but sometimes it's a little elusive or difficult for us to see. And that's where the Bible says that we prophesy in part, we see in part, we look through a glass darkly, it says, meaning that you're looking through like a pane of glass trying to see through it, but it's very cloudy. Maybe imagine a very dirty window, and you're trying to see what's through that glass. And that is kind of what the Bible says our perception of the fullness of God's plan is for us. And therefore, one may get frustrated and decide, well, if I can't understand it with clarity, then I'm not going to live it. Well, that's a dangerous risk. I believe that we are all called. Many are called, it says, few are chosen. If we are called, we know it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, that all things are going to work together for our good. If we are called, if we love him. So as we respond to that calling to fulfill his destiny, to walk in the destiny that he has for us, well, he takes us on this journey. He takes us by the hand. And I started this when I was 17. Let me say it this way. My awareness of the trek that I'm on started when I was 17. But amazingly, I look back at those 17 years before I professed to know Christ, and it's obvious with hindsight that he was planning and strategizing things all along, even before I was born. And he has shown me many things through the years that people have done before I ever lived on earth that now I am walking in, that I am uh, enjoying uh, there are many things, in fact, that we all have. We have Bibles. If you have a Bible, 
you have a book that was produced by many people suffering and even dying for that Bible to become a reality, for 66 books to be able to come together into one text that we can study. And it's amazing when we study the history of the Word of God. But that means that God had a plan to give us His Word long before we were ever here. And He had a plan that those words resonate to our souls or mean something to us. So in the Bible, we see some beautiful examples of man walking in the destiny that God has for them. And I've identified tonight five stages to the fulfillment of God's purposes in our lives. And this is in the story of Moses. I love reading the story of Moses recently when we uh, went through the story. I didn't do a lot of messages on it, but I held on to some of the passages. And so I want us to by looking into his life, kind of map out our progress in walking out the destiny that God has for us. And we're going to learn some elements from the story of Moses and consider them as we are called to do something great for God. But if we need to come into agreement here tonight. How many of you believe, honestly, that God has a plan for you? He absolutely has a strategy for every single one of us. Now, some people are maybe oblivious to that plan, but it is put in our in our, our area of responsibility to find out that plan. So we're seeking it, and before then, God is preparing everything for us. Let's look at the first stage of this journey, and that is predestined for the purpose. I already outlined this word. I referenced it in the scriptures, horizo is the Greek word for predestined. And it's where we get the word horizons, which means that he has marked parameters or horizons for your existence, paths through which you can walk. Uh, and he has created an arena, if you would, where there is so much that you can do within that realm. I don't believe that God's predestined plan for your life is a tightrope that you're walking on balancing and the slightest mistake you fall off. I believe it could be more like a like the PIE. You know, it's a very wide path and there's a lot of room for deviation. I even believe sometimes that the the greatest priority of these horizons, if horizons are horizons and I brought us all out into a field and pointed at a at a distant waypoint on the horizon and said that is our purpose we all are to go there all of us can get to the same destination on different paths now maybe one likes to go over the hill maybe another likes to go through a valley maybe there's a river running through that meadow and you like swimming you can swim to the same destination so i believe that there are there's a lot of artistic license given to us in the way that we seek the purpose of God. I'll give you some, some broad stroke examples of God's call. He says to us, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every created being. That's a mandate from God. That's God's will. That's the purpose of the Father. It's called the Great Commission. Now, that is a very general statement. We can do many, many things. That's as general as saying, go into the kitchen and prepare me food. You could go into the kitchen and fix a lot of different kinds of food. All of them will be able to nourish me. Well, some better than others. 
usually the more delicious ones are not as nourishing, but they sure are delicious. So we try to keep a balance. But many people could go into the same kitchen, and if there is proper stocks, you can come up with all kinds of different dishes. So it is with working out your salvation. And the Bible says it that way, that we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We work out our ministries. We work out our destiny the same way. And little by little, God is preparing, has already prepared, but will prepare even more. But you are predestined. I want to look at Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. Now, a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch and then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile in the river now his sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the riverbank she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it she opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and she became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. And that's what Moses' name means. It means to be drawn out. So it's interesting. There's so many different things that we see in this passage already about what is this predestined for purpose what is God doing to plan for us and there are many things we already know that there was a law that was decreed by the Pharaoh because the Hebrews were multiplying so much that they were afraid of them taking over Egypt so they began to exercise infanticide or the the murdering of the baby boys so that the population would be kept in check and they would only have female slaves but the midwives decided to disobey pharaoh through their civil disobedience the baby was left alive and that is one of the babies this moses that means that god had already planned to preserve his life before his life ever existed. He already was strategizing. How do you think this worked out so perfectly that the very person they sought to pay money to, to breastfeed the baby as a wet nurse was the actual mother of Moses? It's supernatural. Now maybe they would have done some things. They may have put the reed basket in a place that was known that Pharaoh's daughter bathed pretty frequently, but there was no guarantee that the plan would work out. But they did that, and it did work out, and they really could have commanded anything to this girl that was watching. They could have uh, said many things, but they actually played into the plan and the purpose of God. And if you look back over your life, you probably can see situations 
course, it applies to everyone. Nobody would be where they are today if it were not for the events of yesterday. So we all end up in a certain place. That's why regret is a lie. Because often we regret things that happened in the past because those things guided us to where we are today. And maybe there's hardships connected to it or misunderstandings. But really, I don't regret. I don't regret the most negative parts of my past because everything brought me to where I am. I don't regret the most negative parts of my wife's past because that's what led her to me. And then I look at my children and think those boys and that girl would not exist if it hadn't been for what seemed like the random acts of nature. But I believe that God is the one orchestrating all things. I believe that he has a plan and he has predestined us all to do amazing things. We all know who Moses is already. We know this man is a superstar. We know that he's going to go on to save so many people and deliver more than or almost two million people from slavery. What an amazing ministry. What an incredible thing. But before he is even cognizant of existence as a little baby and even before he was ever born, God already had things in motion to preserve him and to bring him. And I want to encourage you tonight and tell you that God has that for you. And that God has done that for you. I don't believe that anybody is just randomly living their lives, but that God, almighty God, sovereign God, all-powerful God, has things that have been in the works for years before your existence, even centuries before your existence. So we can trust and seek that purpose for our lives. How many of you would agree with that? Good, good. Stay encouraged. Stage two, predisposed for the purpose. First we saw predestined for the purpose, but now a predisposition speaks of being in the right place at the right time or having a certain skill set in a given moment that just so happens you can fulfill a need and that opens doors for you. In this passage, we read in Exodus chapter 2, verse 11, one day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, looking this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day, he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought of what I did must have become known. What well, had become known because they know it. And as a result, things happen that are negative. But we asked some questions about this predisposition for purpose. What got into Moses that he felt somehow it was his responsibility to stop the injustice? What was in his heart? And see, we already see God working from the inside out. That he is raised in the house of Pharaoh. I'm sure he had a lot of advantages over the rest of the Hebrew people. He was raised as their own and he was taken care of, and he did not choose that life. It says in Hebrews, it also says in different places in the New Testament, that he did not see those things as preferable. He could have stayed 
in the palace. He could have stayed in the lap of comfort. He could have done all those things, but something in him was moving, some desire to make a difference, and the injustices that he witnessed bothered him. They bothered him, which caused that feeling in him to push him into a place of being predisposed or in the right place. Now, he's in the right place. He's even doing somewhat the right thing, a little misguided, but it's the wrong time. And that's a problem with predisposition. It does not always meet the time frame. And there are people who have certain abilities or desires or skills or feelings that are seemingly wasting their talents or they're frustrated because they don't seem to be finding the fulfillment that they're looking for. But I would say that the time has just not come. And that whatever God has put in your heart, whatever he's put in your mind and in your soul, Everything that has been piling up on the inside of you, every feeling, everything that perturbs you, disturbs you, disquiets you, every injustice. Now, not everyone was affected by what Moses saw, and not everyone certainly did what Moses did. Many could have, but Moses did it. Sometimes there are things we look at in life that bother us or that are important to us that nobody else seems to care about. In fact, we look at those things and think, why doesn't anybody else see what I see or feel what I feel? How can people just go along without considering the importance of this thing that's bothering me? See, that right there is the seeds of the vision that God is giving you that you are predisposed already to do things that God has planned before first predestined. He's bringing you down this path and the journey, but now you have these seemingly, these things like instincts that rise in you. And maybe you've even quashed or you've kept them undercover and you don't understand. But believe me, I would say every passion, every fire in your soul, everything that is inside of you has a purpose and that God will find the right place for it. There are a lot of people that misapply some of those things. I've seen many amazing artists that I believe that God had chosen to do incredible things, but they misguided or misguided have taken what God gave them and have used it for their own glory, for their own credit, for their own financial benefit. We see this with many artists. Uh, I'm not criticizing different musical artists, and I appreciate all kinds of music, but it is sad often to hear stories of people who grew up with a destiny and a purpose. And they had this amazing ability to sing. And one of the reasons I know why they were given that ability to sing was because people were praying for them. Grandmothers were praying for them. Mothers were praying for them. And God answered prayers. Because that's really part of the predestination and also the predisposition. There is a hierarchy, if you would, of past people that have sowed seeds, that have already invested time and prayers and energy and hopes, sometimes just hopes, but hopes are prayers. If you hope for something, it really is a prayer in itself. And so I've seen different people that have grown to have great abilities, but later they get misguided. And that's where we need to really be careful and we need to pay attention. 
that whatever you've been predisposed to do, it could go any way. It could go in the wrong direction. It could even mean your destruction. Or it can be a great blessing in your life. That's where we need to understand why Jesus came to die on the cross. Jesus came to die because we cannot save ourselves. We cannot do the right thing. We will always be misguided, but God has a plan. I truly believe it. And these people didn't understand the plan. You're always going to have people around you that don't understand. They don't appreciate what God is doing in your life. Now, God, obviously, you would think, well, did he allow Moses to kill this Egyptian guard? Well, uh, we know later that God calls the armies of Israel to qu kill quite a few people. And God himself kills the entire army in their chariots, drowning them in the Red Sea later when he opens and then closes it on them. But there was a purpose, but it, this is not the time yet. For it. And so, as a result, sometimes people who are trying to operate in what they've been called to do, when it is out of time, it does not work the same way, then you'll be discouraged at times and even vow never to do that again. I vowed as a young Christian to never preach. Vowed. Because I, the first time I preached, it was a little ahead of time. It was so bad. It was horrible. It was the most terrible message ever preached. I had a 15-page outline, and I was ready, and I was given one hour to teach. In my first go, you know, I think of that eight, uh, eight Mile and um, uh, Eminem when he sings, Don't Miss Your Chance to Blow. You know, right? I had that chance. I had that moment and that opportunity to preach. And, and you know, I, I did vomit mom's spaghetti, so to speak. You have to know the song to really understand. But I'm a, I do like rap. I said I like all kinds of music. There's nothing I don't listen to because, like the Chinese emperor from centuries ago, demanded that all music be played for him. That's how he governed his provinces because he could tell what was going on in every place by the songs they sang. Very wise. So you want to know what's going on in society. Listen to the music. The music is the heart speaking. But anyway, back to the story here. I was given this opportunity to preach, and I had my outline, and I began to execute the outline and follow the teaching materials, and, and I got to the last page and flipped it and said, okay, and I was so glad that I made it through my 15 pages of outline from my message, and I looked at the clock, and five minutes had passed. And I still had 55 minutes to fill, and it was over. And this amazing thing happens in that moment. This, it's called flop sweat. There's, there's different, uh, it, you could call it a nervous breakdown. You call it whatever it is. But I felt like the rain clouds came, and sweat just literally was blinding me, pouring into my eyes. I was so miserable. I was so, and I made a vow that day. I will never preach again, ever, never going to do this. It's just that the timing wasn't right yet. There's so many things that have to take place before we can do that. And so I did not for quite some time. And I even took a vow of silence and did not speak for a year. I spoke to people, hello, yes, everything. But my conversation, I really, it really damaged me that moment. And I kept very quiet. 
I did not want to speak. I thought, you know, I studied all these scriptures that says when you go to the house of God, let your words be few and um, don't, don't think you'll be heard for your much speaking. The Bible calls it a sacrifice of fools and all those scriptures became my favorite scriptures as I'm not going to say anything I understand. But after a year, my pastor's wife came to me and she pointed at my heart and she said, there's just too much word in there. You're going to have to let it out. She said, you have to let it out. She encouraged me and new doors opened now with a great amount of humility. Having been tempered by life itself, I spoke well and I could articulate and share in a way that people could learn. I'm sure Moses learns a lot of lessons at this time. And of course, it causes some pretty um, horrible results and as a result, this took him to stage three, patience for the purpose. We saw first the predestined for a purpose, God's purpose for your life. Then we saw that, that you are predisposed for that purpose, but now you're going to have to be patient for that purpose. Exodus chapter 2, verse 15 and on, it says, When Pharaoh heard this about what Moses had done, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. When the girls returned to Raoul, their father, he asked them, Why have you returned so early today? They answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. This, by the way, gives you an understanding of just how, how much Moses was affected by Egyptian culture. Obviously, he's Jewish, but he appeared to be Egyptian to them. So the Midianites did not see him as a Jew at all, but as an Egyptian. So it goes on, he even drew water for us and watered the flock. And where is he, Raoul? asked his daughters. Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. Boy, that was fast. <laughs> I don't think, I've never seen that happen in real life, you know. Come on in here, have, have some more beans. Would you like to marry my daughter? But I'm sure this is, you know, speeding it up a little bit. It probably took longer than we're reading. The Bible has a way of doing that. It condenses the stories. Zipporah gave birth to a son. Obviously, that didn't happen at the same time. So Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. So this is an interesting place. Moses was removed from where he was raised. He was separated in fact, it seems like he is about as far away from his purpose as he can be. His purpose is to deliver the Israelites. It always was his purpose from before he was born. God strategized it and planned it. But there seems to be this pattern that requires patience. That the very thing that we believe and have even tried to accomplish, God will remove us from and separate us as far as the east is from the west. And we'll feel almost like we've been put in exile 
or that God changed his mind, or even worse, that we messed things up so much that we will never be allowed to do what God called us to do. How many have ever had those feelings before? That you maybe had an understanding or something that God told you, but then you made some mistakes, maybe you made some poor choices, or even worse, people around you made poor choices. And other people did things to stop you and hinder you. And you feel like because you missed the opportunity, it can never happen again. That's not true necessarily. It could be that he's just testing your patience and preparing you, seasoning you for the right time. Like that year I didn't speak. He was getting me ready so that the next time I spoke, I would speak with wisdom. Patience is not easy. In the meantime, look all that is happening for Moses. He's given a wife who he is faithful to, who even one day saves his life because he forgets to circumcise his child. And she rises up and uses a sharp stone, poor boy, <laughs> to circumcise the child and save his life. And uh, she's an important help to him. He meets, in this case, Raul, or who later we know as Jethro who is the priest of Midian. This is an important man who was a real influence in his life that later on he would really need. Remember, he comes to visit when Moses is in the thick of his ministry and he's perplexed and he's killing himself in ministry by trying to hear the cases and the problems of thousands upon thousands of people. He's exhausting himself and Jethro comes and has the ability to give him advice. And he's open to it. Why? Because he had history with Raul. He had time and he knew that Jethro loved him and cared. Relationships are built in the interim. In the time it takes for you to finally get where you need to be, I, I cannot count the relationships that I've built over the last 35 years that I've known Christ. So many people. So many people have come and have gone. And sometimes I don't see some of these relationships I built 35 years ago, 30 plus years ago, and just this past year I've been reunited with them. And everything that we spoke, it seems so obvious that our lives were prepared together back then to unfold up until today. And just now, doors are opening for me in things that I laid foundations for many years ago. People coming and going, doing this, doing that, that are with me for a while, then go away. And sometimes you feel like, well, I may never see them again. I sure miss that person or that relationship but just wait, there's a time coming when God has already prepared and will bring those people back. Friendships are very important. And he has a child, he has a wife, he has this father-in-law, he has structure, he has stability, the kind of stability that comes through relationships that can only come in time. He wouldn't have been ready. What, imagine how different it would have played out. He already had a little bit of problem with anger. Uh, and that's really what stopped Moses from making it into the promised land because he hit the rock two times. He was angry when he killed that Egyptian. And so what if that's what God was waiting for, trying to make him become less angry? Because God has a process he puts us through to change us. He wouldn't have been as effective as a leader of the Israelites if he had done it immediately. Not at all. 
That's why I always think about Catherine Kuhlman that said when she had all that correspondence on her desk and one stack was as tall as she was and those were all of the the life and death cases and her secretaries were reading all the others and she just didn't have time and she said God why why would you give me all this now that I'm old and lack the energy that I had when I was young and God spoke to her and says you weren't ready for it Catherine there's so many things we're not ready for that we think we're ready for but that's where the trust in God and God alone comes in that we have a purpose and he is going to fulfill that purpose for us, but we're going to have to be patient. Number four, stage four, precipitation of the purpose. We know precipitation means rain, and uh, it means that things come to a head. Things come to fruition when it happens. Right now, there's a great deal of precipitation falling on my home state. Please pray for New Orleans. Pray for Baton Rouge. Those areas are being deluged. Right at this moment, the rivers are cresting at the top of their levees. Uh, anything can happen. We just need a miracle at this point. Storm surge has driven the water up the river. If it goes any further, we're, we could see thousands and thousands of homes lost. So we're praying for God's mercy in that situation. Amen? I mean, they're my people, but I ask, please, that doesn't really affect you over here. Sarah's people too, so we do have yeah. Sarah's from that same that same region, and so we're praying for my mother, and I'm praying for my brother who just got a house in New Orleans. I would hate that he this house he just got would have any damage to it. And precipitation of the purpose. There's a time when everything's going to come together. Now there's five elements of the rising of purpose that I want to talk about under the category of precipitation. These are key intercessory points when praying for revival too or when praying for your ministry to come to life because remember i said i think everybody has a purpose and uh, these are the things we consider when we're about to start our mission or our purpose or whatever it is that god has for us i'm praying these days uh, tomorrow i'm going to bali I'll be there um, for the next couple of days meeting with, you remember, Quinton. And uh, Quinton, those of you who remember back when, he's a young man from South Africa who uh, came and attended. Well, he later married a beautiful young woman who is the, a leader there for YWAM in Indonesia. And they live in Bali, so it's an interesting thing. That's part of those relationships I told you years ago. I had been in and out of Bali many times because I used to have a house in East Java where we were doing missions works, uh, but now I feel that God is causing things to come together, relationships and people in the in this odd amalgam of time. So um, please pray for me as I go tomorrow to have the mind of God about what he wants us to do. I suspect church planting. And so uh, in a community of 2.1% Christian, is the, one of the statistics I found. Uh, there is a great need for the gospel there, 83% uh, Hindu. So it is, the, it is the largest Hindu region of all of Indonesia. And I spent six years in India. I'm no stranger to Hinduism. In fact, when I've been in Bali in the past, that's my, my impressions were this is like India. I felt, it felt like India, the spiritual climate of it which I'm, I'm quite comfortable in. It's not an issue. So I'm, I'm going to go and investigate, and we're going to pray, 
And that's the first thing you do here. In Exodus 2.23, during the long period, the king of Egypt died. I like that he calls it that long period because this is the time that Moses was in uh, the wilderness. Uh, the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. So we see prayer going on as we move toward purposes being fulfilled. Moses is the one called to do this, but the people are the ones that need the deliverance. They need the help. And so prayer is being made. Nothing can happen without prayer. Uh, you will never see the plan of God fulfilled for your life if you don't pray, honestly. You're going to have to pray. You're going to have to seek. Someone's going to have to pray. All of us together have to pray. So we need to be in prayer about what is it that God wants to fulfill. My greatest desire in life is to help you find your purpose. Uh, my ministry is your ministry. Uh, my heart is what's in your heart. And I've always been that way. When I do the program every year and we do Bible school here, we teach. That's my greatest concern. My concern is that you find what it is that God has. And I can pray with you. We can pray together. We can look for it. Second, hearing. God heard their groaning, it said. Now, before we go on to the next part, we're breaking down this verse in little chunks because it's important. Hearing. God hears you. Uh, don't ever pray and think God doesn't hear it. Don't ever pray, especially if you're in a season of patience like we saw and time is stretching. God is not like we are. Uh, God is, his time frames are different. Uh, to him, he does not read a calendar like we read a calendar or a clock like we read a clock. In fact, to him, a thousand years can be a day. And a day can be a thousand years, which really kind of makes it difficult for us to understand. But know this, that sometimes what God has already decided to do and says now, it means 30 years from now. And you may feel it on you, but this is what you really need to understand. He hears you. Don't worry about it. It just takes some time. I always think of the passage in Daniel where Daniel was crying out to God and there was the issue of the, the uh, Michael the archangel contending with uh, the prince of Persia and he come and he said look I heard you three weeks ago because things are heard but there there are mechanisms that have to be shifted in eternal realms and in earthly realms so God is putting everything together he remembered remembrance he remembered his covenant with Abraham with Isaac and with Jacob now, this is interesting because the covenant that Moses was surfing upon for his destiny was a covenant made with Abraham, then with Isaac, and then with Jacob, who is Israel, then with the descendants all the way up to Moses. And so all of us are doing that. We're building on foundations that are thousands of years old. We're building on foundations that are hundreds of years old in some cases, some of the things we're doing, but God does not forget. And you need to remind God, recently we were studying intercession, and part of intercession is you remind God of his promises. Not that God forgot them, but he needs to know that you remember them. And that's an important principle. Observation. So God looked on the Israelites. Be comforted with the understanding that God is watching you. He's not ignorant about what's taking place. 
He sees it. He has a plan. The wheels are in motion, and he's going to meet your need, but it's going to take a little bit of time. He's watching. Finally, compassion. He was concerned about them, the Bible says. He is greatly concerned. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son to die for us. That's concern. He was so concerned, Jesus had to die on the cross, and he is concerned about you fulfilling everything that he's called you to fulfill. So this compassion is there. Stage five, this is the last stage. Pronouncement of the purpose of God. Next, it is chapter three, verse one. Now Moses was tending the flock. And that, by the way, there are uh, a number of things we're going to see. There are four things God does to communicate his purpose for your life. Now, this is the this is the point where God speaks. Remember that in the beginning, God created all things with his words. So he's going to speak over your life and the ministry that he has for you. The purpose will come to life. And these are four things that he does. And we start with the first one. He gets your attention. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him. And from within the bush, he says, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. So the first thing that God does in this case is he gets your attention. When he's ready, and this is what I always tell people, in the absence of clear direction, change nothing at all. If you've already heard and you know, just stick to that. Because believe me, God knows how to talk. And when he's ready, he will speak. He will get your attention. Something will open your eyes. Something will take place. Um, by hook or by crook, He's going to get your attention. Something is going to happen in your life that you will know. And you know this is true because if you have any history with God at all, you've seen it happen before. You've seen, there, are moments I, there are moments in my life, we talked about this, where God has spoken to me in what I perceived as an audible voice. There are not many. There are just a few, few ones. And when it's happened, it's always been because I was about to so royally mess something up. I was, it was like, oh, I was going to destroy everything. Something. Not always understanding what I'm doing. Just about to make a big mistake. When he needs to, he can talk. And I have heard his voice before. When he's ready to activate you, he knows where the switch is. And he will push that button when he decides to push it. So he gets your attention. And Moses goes on here. He separates you for the purpose. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Yeah, we should be fearful to look at God. If God shows up in a burning bush and is talking to us, I think it would be pretty uh, normal for anybody with such an experience to be afraid. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
the Bible says. When God does speak to me, when God does it, I am frightened. I do tremble. I do hear very clearly his voice, and it does scare me, and I'm very respectful. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. There goes God laying that foundation in that path because he's already laid the highway out. He just needs to get you lined up with it. And you will find that to be true about everything that God calls us to do. You know that you're being called to purpose when suddenly you realize you're on that path. And you look back in time and see stretched behind you elements that brought you to where you are. And hindsight is twenty twenty vision, we know. You can't see as clearly forward, but when you look back, you certainly see it. And now he's separating him. He's sanctifying him. He's telling him, take off his sandals. Change the way you treat this atmosphere, he said. Because he's bringing him to this place. He separates you for that purpose. It goes on. Number three, he shares his motivation for the purpose. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. Here in this moment, we see that he is sharing with Moses the motivate. What motivated God to move at this juncture, at this time? The cries that came to him, the prayers of the people, that's what stirs God, and compassion is what leads him to do what has to be done. That's what happened with Jesus when he was on earth. It says that he looked on the multitudes and he was moved with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were spread abroad, they were scattered, and it moved him. So he shares his motivation for the purpose as he does for you. He wants to let you feel what he feels. He wants you to feel the compassion that he has. And believe me, when he does, you know it, and it's frightening because his passion is so deep, his concern for souls, his concern for his plan being carried out and for the needs of people around the world is so great. He cares. He cares for place. He cares for the souls in Germany so intensely. And once you come under that burden, it's crushing. Now, he gives you breaks, and you can breathe, but he... He cares for the children of Cambodia, and he'll put that on Ita. And Ita will feel it, but he won't let it crush her. Uh, he cares for Singapore. <laughs> he, he loves Singapore so much, and I can't always figure out why. I love Singapore, and I love Singaporeans, but wow, he has such a compassion for this land. And I know it's because of the great potential how he can use the people of this this small place to change the entire world. And it's going to happen because he shared that motivation for his purpose, why I'm here, why we're doing things, why we go where we go, and all the things he has. Number four, he reveals the purpose to you. So now all along you've not quite been able to figure out a plan, but here. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. 
And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So he's revealing to him the purpose that he has. And go on to the next one. Um, um, these are the, the, all of them. Okay, we'll back up for me first. So the fourth thing, revealing the purpose to you. He's telling him now the plan. The purpose is the vision. This is the thing about the call. The call and the vision do not come simultaneously. Uh, the call comes. The required obedience is exercised. You say, yes, here am I, send me. You submit. You do take your sandals off. You do allow him to change the atmosphere around you. You do hear his voice. And then and only then does he give you an outline structure. And Moses is given such a clear vision at this point. He's told exactly what he will do step by step, day by day. You'll go say this and then say that. And then if he doesn't listen, then say this. And he works with him hand in hand, brings the plagues upon Egypt, finally to force the hand of Pharaoh. At the same time, though, hardening the heart of Pharaoh so that the conditions can be exactly as they need to be because God is the one that operates in the purposes for your life. He's the one that's going to do them. I know a lot of times you think, well, I need to do this ministry and I have to be smart and I have to be wise and I need to know how to set everything up and I need to know how to do the right thing. And if I don't, it's not. No, you just need to know how to yield. That's all you need to know how to do is listen and yield. I like Paul Young Cho. They asked him, how did you build the biggest church in the world? And at the time, it was. I think it might still be Paul Young chose church in Korea, uh, in South Korea, of course. Uh, so big. How did you build the biggest church in the world? And he said, I pray and I obey. That's all he says. They'd ask him, no, we want like a plan, a strategy. He says, I pray and I obey. That's it. Because God is the one with the plan. God is the one with the strategy. Moses made none of this up. Where at any point do you see Moses giving his insights to God about what should be done? Outside of stopping God from erasing them from the face of the earth, which was intercession. But all the strategies were God's strategies. You don't need to invent them. You don't need to be that creative. That's not many wise, not many noble does he call. He just calls those that are willing. Catherine Coleman again, I quote, he's not looking for golden vessels. He's not looking for silver vessels. He's looking for wielded vessels. Ones that are handed over to him and say, do whatever you want to do. And nothing is impossible. He's going to reveal it to you. These are the things we saw. Walking in destiny, five stages. Stage one, predestined. Way before you were ever here, I think he had a plan for you. Stage two, predisposed. That means that you already have instincts and you're finding these feelings in you that God is bringing online specifically before you can understand. And there's going to be a season where you're going to need patience for that purpose. You need to wait. It's not going to be instant that it happens. And then finally, the precipitation of the purpose will come where all the elements will come together and the density of the clouds will come to such a point that rain will drop. And there you will see the dew of heaven fall on your work and on your mind and on your life and on your heart. And then he will speak to you in the pronouncement of that purpose of your life. Amen? Amen. That's the word I have for you today. Uh, why don't we stand to our feet? I want us to pray.